Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and welcome to episode 18. I'm so glad that you're here. Before we dive into the interview that I have today, and it is a great one, I just wanted to mention that if you haven't done so already, I would love it if you would just take a couple minutes and leave a review for the podcast. If you weren't aware, leaving a review for a podcast helps to send that podcast out so that more people can hear it. And so if you've ever felt inspired or uplifted or had a a takeaway from this podcast that's helped you, um, we'd love to be able to share that message with other people. I'm just here to help moms feel hope and joy and to know that God is our partner in motherhood. And I would love to be able to get that message out to more people. So if you've never left a review in iTunes, I'm going to tell you how you can do that. It's really a simple process. So you just open up your podcast app, the Apple podcast app on your Apple device. And there should be a search box at the top and you can just type in spiritually minded mom podcast and hit enter. And then the podcast should come up. You should see the album art for the podcast. And that is what you want to click on. So the album art just is the artwork that you see every time you listen to a podcast. It just says spiritually minded mom podcast. So just click on that album art. And then if you just scroll down a little bit, you'll see a place where it says write a review and you can click on that and just type in a little something. It can be anything that you want. Share about what you've learned or what you've taken away from listening to the Spiritually Mighty Mom podcast and then put in however many stars that you would like to, to rate the podcast. And that's pretty much it. So Um, It's pretty simple, but if you're a visual person, I'm also going to leave directions um, and save them as a story on my Instagram account, which is just Spiritually Minded Mom. So you can go there if you needed more help in leaving a review, or if you have any problems, just DM me. I can send you the step-by-step of how to leave a review. But like I said, leaving a review is a great way for Apple to say, oh, people like this podcast, and then they push it out more. And it just means more moms can hear it. And that's my goal, like I said, just to help moms know that God is our partner in motherhood. And I am so grateful for all of the great feedback that so many of you have reached out and given me through reviews and DMs and emails and just comments on Instagram. It really makes my day when someone tells me that something on the podcast has helped them. I'm really grateful for everyone who's come on and have been a guest and have just shared so many great things. It's uplifted me and helped me in my life. And I hope that it's doing the same for you. So that's just my plug today to go and leave a review for the podcast if you haven't already done that. And now we will dive into the interview. Today I'm interviewing Taryn Pendergrass and I'm excited for you to hear her story. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. My guest today is Taryn Pendergrass. I'm really excited to have her on. Taryn and her husband were recently married, and with their marriage, she went from being a mom to three to a mom of 10, as her husband had seven kids in addition to her three. So 
she says that the transition to blending two families into one hasn't always been easy, but Taryn feels God has equipped her with the skills, the patience, and the love to be a mom to a large family. She knows what it's like to not have God in her life, and through that contrast, has learned to recognize God's hand, and I am really excited to talk to her about her motherhood story and about her faith. So welcome to the podcast, Taryn. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Well, we're really glad to have you. So to start off, you know, I mentioned you have 10 kids. So I would love to know, what does a typical day look like for you as you are a stay-at-home mom with this large family? What does that look like? Well, I think it's pretty similar to any other family. It's just more. So the the meals are just more, the chaos is more, the fighting is more, but also I feel like the love is more. We have a lot going on in our family. And so what are the ages, like the age range that you span? Like what's the oldest? What's the youngest? The oldest is almost 19 and he's, he'll probably be out of the house soon. Uh And youngest is three. Wow. So you've got the whole gamut going on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But I like what you said. It's it's more chaos, but also more love. That That's great. So what has been the biggest surprise to you about being a mother to 10 kids? Um, I think one of the biggest surprises was it's almost easier than having three kids. Okay. So what do you mean by that? Because I'm sure people are going, what? <laughs> what, what does that mean? Yeah. So, I mean, we have babysitters kind of built into the family. Uh So if we want to have a date night or, um, you know, we have to run one of the other kids somewhere, we have someone that can watch the little ones and they always have a playmate. So we have two three-year-olds, we have a five and a six-year-old, a seven and an eight-year-old and a 10 and 11-year-old. So they're all pretty close in age. And so they all kind of have someone that they can hang out with. And so it just makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, that is that is nice. I know my youngest is kind of younger. I have three teenagers and then a younger one that's 11. And she always feels left out and doesn't have anyone. And I've always said, you should have been a twin because it is nice to have. She's very social. She always wants friends. So it would have been nice if she had someone. So I can definitely see the benefit of that. And just being able to leave whenever you need to. You've got someone there to watch the kids. You and your husband can get out and go do something. So that's interesting that you, that you kind of look at it as maybe being a little bit easier and not this overwhelming challenge of having all these children. So I mentioned at the beginning that you and your husband were, have recently been married and and that's what brought this blended family. So obviously that means that you've gone through a divorce and I would love to talk to you about going through a divorce, how that affected your children and your motherhood. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't easy that I have three girls that were mine before my husband now and I got married and they were pretty heartbroken. They didn't really see it coming. We never really fought in front of them or anything like that. It was it was pretty complicated. And so they didn't see a lot of what are the reasons for the divorce. So they were pretty heartbroken when they found out. But I think the best thing that I did was um, just make sure that they knew that I would always be their mom, their dad would always be their dad, and that they would always be loved. And I think that that helped a lot. It was, there was no separating them from anyone. There was no like, oh, you, well, you can't talk to your dad right now or anything like that. Um, there was a lot of effort going into making sure that 
they could talk to him when they wanted to. They, you know, I would call him every once in a while and be like, they really want to see you. And he would come, come over and hang out with them for a few minutes. There, so we tried really hard to make sure that the kids felt loved during the whole process. It sounds like you kind of separated those adult problems and kind of shielded yeah. them from that, kept those with between you and your ex-husband and, and just tried to give them the love that they needed. So now you're blending two families together, which is probably, I'm sure it's a challenge at times. In the time that you've been doing that, what, what have you learned and what advice would you give to someone who is trying to blend two families into one? Well, when I was growing up, I had, I had a stepdad. And my now husband had a stepmom and we love our step parents, but there was a time in our lives when we could see that there was a difference between their kids and us. And we both kind of felt that. And so going into this marriage, both of us were like, we don't want that for our kids. We don't want them to feel isolated, left out or less loved from any of the parents. And so going into it, I think the biggest thing that has really helped is we really try our best to make sure that all of the kids feel equally loved. And I think that's helped a lot. And I've told some of the older ones, because the 10 and 11 year old were, came from his last marriage. And so I've flat out told them, like, you know, I love you just as much as I love, you know, Tavia and Talia, who are my girls. And they're like, and they're boys. So they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, (laughs) (laughs) okay. But, you know, I think communication and just making sure that they all feel loved is the biggest thing. So was there anything that you did right from the beginning to show that love to help them, you know, feel that not not just words, but was there any action that you took to help them feel that? Yeah, I tried to spend a lot of time with them. I would sit down and talk to them. Um, if you've ever read like the five love, love languages, uh-huh. I have. Yeah. So that was one thing that I just kind of kept in the back of my mind and kind of watched for what each of the kids needed. And so some of them want to sit and talk to you. Um, some of them, they just want you to sit next to them and like watch a show with them. And so just keeping that in the back of my mind of like to look out for like what would make them feel loved, um, I think helped a lot. So I would just sit and watch a movie with some of them and they'd kind of like get a little bit closer and snuggle up to me a little bit, you know, as time went on. And um, I think that helped a lot. Yeah. So it sounds like you really took the time to know their individual needs. They're not just this big group of kids. They each have their own individual needs. Yeah. They're all so different. Which I mean, even if they're all your own kids, you're going to have that anyway. So that's a good advice for any mom. Get to know your kids on an individual basis and know what they need. That I think that's great advice, especially when you're blending two families and, t- and trying to make one, one cohesive family. One of the things that you shared with me that you learned in motherhood is the ability to reprioritize when necessary. So I would love to talk to you more about that. What does that mean? And how do you reprioritize in your life as a mother? Um, I feel like that happens like every day. Like, yeah. <laughs> you you plan not to do one thing, you know, during the day. And sometimes that just doesn't happen. And a lot of times it's because we subconsciously reprioritized our day. Right. Uh-huh. So making that an active thing of, of like, okay, I'm going to set this aside for now. And I'm doing this instead makes it a lot less stressful, I think. And so there's a lot of things that... I've kind of, after my husband and I got married, I kind of purposefully set aside because 
I just didn't have time for it with 10 kids. So it sounds like it's kind of a mindset for you. Like you have a mindset that this is what I'm going to do today. But if my kids need me over here or I need to do this, I'm just going to reprioritize and not get stressed out about it and not not make it a big deal. It it sounds like you just kind of have that mindset. Is that how you would describe it? Yeah, I think so. So another thing that I want to talk about, and I didn't, I don't think I mentioned this. Oh, maybe I did mention this in the beginning, but you were actually away from the church for many years and you recently just came back. And so I'd love to talk more about that journey. You know, what it was like having kids. I think you said something like being a mother of three outside of the gospel was way harder than being a mother to 10 in the gospel. So I'd love to talk about that. And then also what prompted your return you know, how did you overcome the challenges that you faced making that decision to return to the church? Yeah, so I came back to church about a year ago, and my now husband and I got married about six, mo- six months ago, so there wasn't a ton of overlap there. Right, right. But I think I had a conversation with my dad, uh, and one of the things that he said was that you don't have faith, you learn faith. And that hit me really hard because all of those years I was inactive out of the church for 16 years. And so all of those years I was just thinking, well, I just don't believe it. Like I don't have the faith, so I shouldn't be there. And I realized that that was a choice that I was making. I was making the choice to not have faith. And once I realized that, I realized that I wanted to go back and that was a choice that I could make. And so I started reading, reading the scriptures to see how I felt about it and realized that I do believe and have faith in the scriptures and what that means, which means that there is a God that Christ suffered and died for us and that everything else you know, you can expound from that, you know, is true. Once you have a testimony of the scriptures, it's, they're all kind of just linked together. Mm-hmm. And so coming back, um, I do have a few tattoos. <laughs> I have like six of them. Yeah. And some of them are pretty noticeable. And I was really worried about coming back to church into a church that says that you shouldn't have tattoos. And what that would mean and if I would be judged and I actually found Al Caraway's blog. Oh, I was going to say you have to know who Al Caraway is, right? With that discussion. Yeah. How did how did her how did her experience help you? Well, I just I found her blog and it was just it was just by chance, you know. Not not really by chance, but by chance. Right. And I was like, okay, if she has this many followers, I can go back to church. Like I can walk into one church, yeah. right? So I was I just got in into a place in my head where I was like, okay, people are judgmental. It's not just people that, you know, Christians or people that go to any particular church are judgmental. It's that humans in general are judgmental. And so I had to get to a place in my head of if I were to be judged, I wouldn't care. And so the first time I walked into church, I just decided not to care. It's and it's gone really well. And I think I'm usually very social and talkative. And I think I kind of throw people off just like right out of the gate. And, and it makes them realize that I'm a nice person. Yeah. And so they don't, they don't really, you know, get to the point of judging because of tattoos. 
So it sounds like some of your challenges with returning were in your own head and, and just getting over, you know, what you thought about the other, how other people were going to perceive you. And one of the things that I say all the time is just that let's, we need to get our validation from God and not from anybody else. He's the one that really matters. So were there, were there any other challenges that you faced when you, when you decided to come back and how did you overcome those? None of my other friends really, <laughs> because I was out of the church for 16, were religious I told my dad at one point, I was like, I don't know if I should put anything on Facebook or Instagram or like if I should talk about it because I was like, I feel like I'm like coming out of the closet in some way. Right, right. Like, you know, so different from how I had spoken or behaved in the last 16 years that I was really nervous about it. And it took me a few months to even post anything on Facebook that was... Is that how you did it? Did you just make a post on social media and say, hey guys, guess what? I'm back going back to church or or was it kind of a gradual process? And and how did your friends react? Um, it was kind of a gradu- gradual process. I started posting, um, like I posted a picture of my three-year-old and my dad walking to church. So I took a picture of behind them and I'm like, it's so cute. Like my baby and my dad and... And then my sister commented, who is out of the church right now, and was like, are you, because I hadn't even talked to her about it, like, wait, are you going to church? What is happening? And so I answered her question, but it was all on Facebook, so everybody could see. And I posted some other pictures and some comments and started making a few more references to um, God's hand in my life and things like that. And... I got a few messages from people and were like, so did you go back to church? Like, what's (laughs) happening? And I would just told them, yes, I did. And um, most of the people, I don't think I've gotten any really, truly negative comments. Most of the people are just like, you know what? I'm really happy for you. If you are happy, like, I think that's awesome type of responses. That's great. So their reac- their reaction was mostly positive. I'm sure that's someone that something that goes through someone's mind when they think, okay, am I going to go back? Am I not going to go back? Is is losing friendships and you know you want to you want to preserve those relationships. And so um, I think I think that's a great example that you know you don't have to lose all of that to come back. No, and I don't I don't think you do. And I think a lot of people are understanding and really, if someone loves you, they're going to be they're not going to lose your friendship. Right. Over, you know, right. Going to church. <laughs> yeah. If, if they're a true friend, they're going to, they're going to be supportive of you. That's, that's a yeah. great point. Okay. Well, so another thing that you told me when we were prepping for the interview was, was this quote, and I'm, I'm just going to read it. You said being without it for so long, it's incredibly obvious that God wants to be part of our daily lives and to help us through each and every struggle that we have. I just, I really love that. It was just a simple statement, but you know, now you can see how God wants to be a part of your life. So what are the things that you see now in your life that, that he's there that you didn't recognize before when you were not in the church? Well, I think a lot of people chalk experiences or things that happen in their life up to coincidence. And I don't really believe in coincidence. And I didn't before either. It was just like, oh, that was weird, you know? But now I can see that that is God in our life. You know, God has an ultimate plan for us and his plan is better than ours. 
And sometimes it doesn't matter the choices we make. He kind of guides us into this, you know, certain direction and we end up where he wants us anyway. And I, I can, I can see that in my life now and just being a mom of 10 kids. Like I never imagined that I would ever have that many children. The fact that it's been like as easy as it has, like there has been obviously like they fight and I've yelled a few times because they're fighting and, you know, it hasn't always been easy, but it's been way easier than I imagined. And I think even things like that has been the hand of God in our life. You mentioned that scripture study was one of the things that brought you back. How do you fit that in now with, with 10 kids and everything that you have going on? I either get up early or I read my scriptures after they go to bed. <laughs> so a lot of times I will, I will read my scriptures in the middle of the day because I do think that it's important for our kids to see us reading our scriptures. Yes. Being that example. And so I never get upset when they interrupt me when I'm reading my scriptures because I think it's important for them to see us doing it as well. Um, but I think I focus more and get more out of it when they're in bed still. So most of my scripture study is usually before or after they wake up. That makes sense. Yep. That's that's probably what most moms can relate to. So what what would you say to someone who is where you were, you know, over a year ago? You know, you're, you're starting to feel these promptings that you need to go back, but you're scared. You don't know, you know, what's going to happen what advice would you give to someone if you were talking to a friend and they said, you know, maybe I want to come back to church. I'm not sure. What would you tell them? My advice would be to pray about it because I think a lot of people that have been out of the church or out of any church for a long time are very nervous to pray. And so I would tell them to pray about it, read your scriptures and decide what it is you want. So the main thing that I looked that I believed when I went back to church is that I was going for my relationship with God, not with anybody else, yeah, not because of anybody else. And everybody else's opinion didn't matter because I was there for my relationship with God. And so if you can go into it, just knowing that it's your relationship with your heavenly father that matters most, that then the other stuff doesn't mean as much. It won't bother you as much. So other people's opinions or anything like that about whether or not you should go back ultimately doesn't matter. That's, that's really good. And, and, you know, it's, it's getting to this place where you know, you're going for the reasons that are right for you. Yeah. And I think that applies to anybody. I mean, you can be in the church, I'm saying that with quotes, you know, (laughs) and go to church for all the wrong reasons, you're going to be social or, you know, um, I think that's something that everyone needs to figure out, you know, it's about your relationship with God. It's about, you know, knowing that he's there and that he's a part of your life and I'm inviting him in just like I said before, putting him first and making that relationship with him be the most important thing and not worrying about all the other stuff. Cause there's a lot of other stuff, even though, you know, we go to church, we learn truth, we feel the spirit. There's a lot of other stuff that goes on. And so it's just, I think you're a great example of being able to put that aside and just focus on, you know, what is the most important thing? Yeah. One of the things I gave a talk at, at state conference, which is like, this big group of people come together, basically, you know, hear people speak. And one of the things that I said is that we all have to be converts, whether you've been in the church for a long time, whether you've left and come back, or you're new to the church, like we all have to be converts, because we all have to have that change of heart, that following of Christ, 
that makes it so that our testimony is strong and firm and doesn't waver based on if someone's mean to you at church or judging or anything else that might go on, that you are firm in your testimony because you are there for your relationship with God. Yeah, it's true. We all we all have to be converted. No, there's no doubt about that. Um, I really love talking to you, and it's great to hear your perspective on being a mom of a large family and, you know, your faith story of of finding the church again and coming back. And I've I've loved it all. So one final question that I ask every guest that I would love to ask you is, how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? I see God as my partner in motherhood, always. Um, even small prayers. I can see be answered right away. I pray for my kids every day and their relationships just continue to grow and evolve. And they really are like brothers and sisters already. I mean, they fight like brothers and sisters do, right? Right. And it's really just a normal family dynamic. And I think that that is pretty amazing since we've only been married for six months. And uh, even one of our 13-year-old, which was his, her friend thought that I was her mom and her dad was her stepdad. And wow, so, that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty incredible. So I'm yeah. very, very thankful. Yeah, it, it really, the word that came to my mind when you were describing that is it's a miracle. And it's it's a miracle because God can take our lives and and just make it what he wants it to be. And, and it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful what you're, you and your husband are doing, bringing this family together and, and, you know, having the gospel in your home and, and teaching your kids that teaching them to love each other, even though they haven't been siblings forever and, and all of that. It's a miracle. I agree. <laughs> and it's, it's beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. I, I love your perspective and know that it will help someone else. So thanks so much for being willing to come on for the interview. Well, thank you so much for having me. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.